welcome to You Need to See This, a bi-weekly film podcast about filling the gaps in our collective cinematic experience. I'm Bree Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host... Cozy Orlin, me. That is you. Uh, we are, indeed, intubitably. Uh, <laughs> we are comedians, we are writers, filmmakers, and we're radioactive. Whoa, no! Watch it's out! True. Oh, I, you know, I always assumed when I was glowing in the dark that it related to, you know, some sort of nuclear waste, but you, this confirms it. Yeah, now you now you can uh, rest easy knowing that you're radioactive, and maybe maybe that won't make you rest easy because now you realize that uh, that you're radioactive, which is probably bad unless you're like spider-man and have like powers associated with it i think it'll make me rest easy because then there will be a nightlight it'll be me oh oh that's sweet <laughs> and yeah you don't have to be like spider-man you don't have to act on on having radioactive powers like sure you could become a superhero and sure. and fight crime but right. Why can't you just be like a, yeah, you could easily just as be like a hero glowing in the dark when uh, the power goes out during those rolling blackouts in the summer in LA. And then you'll just be like, oh yeah, that's our radioactive friend Cozy who's, yeah. who glows. Yeah. Plus if I'm fighting crime in the dark at night, they're going to see me coming a mile away. That's not okay. That's not good. Yeah. No. Yeah, they'll, no, that's, that's worse. I'd, ra- yeah. I'd rather be the kind of radioactive that involves uh, audio themed uh, entertainment yes <laughs> a terrible pun and you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> i know it took me a second i was like oh oh yeah yeah the only active on the radio i want to be is etc etc <laughs> <laughs> oh lord <laughs> anyway, anyway movies, <laughs> movies. Uh, every episode one of us tries to convince the other and the audience that they need to see a specific film and we do it all with no spoilers it's true none none whatsoever that is the number of spoilers none we try very very hard to not give anything away mm-hmm. you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome um, and right now we wanted to take a second to thank uh, our editor on all of the episodes of You Need to See This, Pete Burns. Yeah, Pete is. Uh, Pete has ended his run with the show, and we really appreciate him being such a great uh, editor and doing such a great job for us the whole time. But now he's moving on to doing his awesome music career, and we're excited and we wish him the best. Yes, yes, it's so exciting to like be able to... Uh, to, to, to make that step and clear your schedule for yeah bigger and better things and i'm really glad i got to meet him in real life yeah me too that was perfect i'm so glad <laughs> yeah so thank you Pete. Mm-hmm. and thank you brie for editing this episode uh yeah other ones moving forward at least uh for the time being uh already killed it on the last one thank you yeah hopefully it it it's passable. I'm sure. I'm sure nothing compared to what Pete did for us. But there's no way. That's no chance. But it was a delight. No <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. To, good to know. Uh, so we have a. We saw it today. We do. It's true. I spent time uh, y- yesterday um, seeing a movie, uh, which was great, as opposed to doing what I've been doing lately, which is going out and seeing a movie many, many, many times. <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of movies, but none in inside of my apartment, except for now, when I sat down and watched The Goonies for the first time. 
Ooh, oh, the Goonies. Yeah, I was excited. I wanted to ask when you told me that you had seen a movie, but I was like, no, I'm just going to wait. I'm going <laughs> to wait to see what it, which, one it, which one it was. Uh, like so what would you think? Uh, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts on the Goonies, uh, mm-hmm. and I wrote them all out in big chunks of words. Um, first of all, I'm glad I finally saw the Goonies because my entire life it's been hyped up to me for in so many different ways. And I'm like, good, I finally saw this movie. I have a good mm-hmm. understanding of what it is now. Uh, and that's a good feeling. I feel like I've lived through seeing the Goonies and that is a helpful feeling. Um, I was really happy when I saw Data because I immediately started tearing up because I was like, oh my God, it's Kihoi uh, Kwan from uh, from Everything, Everything Everywhere, Everywhere All, at, all once. at Once as a kid. <laughs> yeah yeah no that's when i saw the trailer for everything everywhere all at once i was like oh my god it's data like that's that was the excitement for me was because like goonies yes. was such a childhood experience for me so if anything that's gonna help i mean i'm already latched on based on your review and everyone else's review of that movie but oh my god uh, i can't wait for you to see it i'm so excited <laughs> yeah but i'm glad that that was a, a good like yeah uh, an exciting thing for for you yeah in reverse. it was nice it was so great i was so happy to see him um also uh while watching the goonies i realized that there was definitely a chunk no captain chunk line i know we were talking about that as a maybe thing um mm-hmm. so the uh, the name of that easy core punk band did come from that movie there was ah. also a line uh, you know there was also the fratellis which is another band and yep. slick shoes which is another punk band and even the nuclear saturday which is also a punk band what oh wow so yeah i don't know any of those except for the fratellis i don't know those other bands but that is fair oh slick shoes slick shoes is like fun like you know 90s uh pop punk nuclear saturday is probably like early 2000s pop punk and chunk no captain chunk is probably like mid to like mid uh well, i guess not mid 2000s but like you know somewhere in the late uh the late aughts of 2000s okay um, i'm gonna write all these down possibly past that um i think they're french easy core they actually it might even be in the in the teens when they came around but yeah check out slick shoes they're real classics nuclear okay. saturday no one talks about so i i would love for you to check them out yeah yeah uh only no fatalities, but that's exciting. That's that's funny to me that that's like seems to be a common thread with punk bands. I guess they all love the Goonies or grew up on it, or maybe it was just part of like the, the like the zeitgeist at the time of these punk bands like growing up and stuff. So everyone just like had some sort of like collective memory of of like these lines from the Goonies. My my theory is that it's a mix of the nostalgia and the fact that the the movie really did kind of have a cool edge for a kids movie, which I really appreciated. Hmm. You know, it was like cursing and all that and like people doing stuff and all that junk. Um, that was And they're kind of like outsiders. They're not really like the cool kids. Yeah, exactly. 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 Troublemakers in some way and troublemakers versus like a crime family. And I was like, yeah, this has a lot of an edge to it. So um, especially for around that time mm-hmm. uh, and like a little bit after that with like movies like Home Alone and stuff where it's like. I don't know if it has like a full edge, but it has a partial edge because of all the, um, I don't know. I'm getting, getting too involved in this train of thought right now. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) me me doubting my home alone knowledge because it's been so long. Good Lord. Does, does home alone feel like it had an edge? Maybe it did. I mean, I guess like in the sense that like there, I mean, he is a troublemaker in, 
in how he and it's kind of like a similar thing of like troublemaker versus criminals yeah and i mean uh, that was also was that also a chris columbus movie is that why i'm making this connection yes yeah so in my head i was like this one has more of an edge than home alone but you know what it might have just been like uh consistent tonally (laughs) yeah yeah i guess the difference being that like I guess because, yeah, in, in Home Alone, he started off sort of as, like, the kid that no one paid attention to and then became, like, this sort of troublemaker as a result because he was just protecting himself. Yeah, I think <laughs> that then, makes a ton of sense. <laughs> yeah, and then in The Goonies, it's sort of just like a, yeah, it's like a group. It's a, it's a friend group that is, uh have, like, decided themselves that they are troublemakers. Yeah. That they're definitely. Goonies. Yeah, very rough and tumbly in, in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I felt like a lot of the emotional beats didn't really feel earned in this movie. Hmm. Or really even shaped right a lot of the times. Like, it felt like there were a lot of what-is-my-want scenes missing for a lot of the characters. Okay. Which I kept being like, this feels like they're fulfilling a want that I didn't know existed. Um, yeah. Even with when, even with like, I didn't really feel like they, I understood what the town fully meant to them. You know, yeah, I I definitely felt that same way upon rewatching it, where yeah. I was like, it like that that whole it's like the main plot of the story of like they're trying to save the town, but like it's glossed over pretty quickly. It really, yeah, it's so much more about them all just kind of yelling over each other and being kids, <laughs> right? Like you don't really get the whole sense of. I feel like it wasn't even until it's like honestly the end. It's like, oh yeah, 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 okay, that's what that's what this movie is about is they're they're getting treasure to save their town, but. I always thought it was kind of funny that like, and, and, you know, the, the town is supposed to be not this like really like rich neighborhood or anything, but then I, I still think it's just so funny that they, they have like a, they have a maid. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And it, yeah, it was very, and like the mom had broken her arm, but they never explained that. And I was like, that's kind of an interesting detail too. And yeah, it just, it felt like there were a lot of scenes missing, hmm. which was weird. But um, aside from that, I really enjoyed, like, all the characters. I felt they were all very unique. And even though I didn't see their what-is-my-want scenes, I still, like, really appreciated how much work goes into having that many characters in a movie and having them all be unique and interesting. Yeah. It also it just almost makes me wonder, like, yeah, if like what scenes or if there were any scenes really cut out because it is, like, a lot of characters and, like, <clears throat> there is like the relationship of the brothers I felt like was established pretty well, but there is definitely yeah. so much going on in this movie that it feels like, you know, there almost just has to be stuff that was just cut. Yeah, it's true. Like the the moment where he like hugs his brother at the beginning and I was like, okay, that helps me understand them all a little bit better, even though there were, even though it was like based off of kind of a weirdly manipulative weirdly manipulative music scene that didn't really tell us about the town and why I loved it. I was like, but I know why they love each other and that's cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I guess I would, uh, I would think like my argument for like why they don't have the want scenes is because they're kind of like a collective character in some ways. Interesting. Yeah. Because of the goodies. Like they're all different and they all have like their sort of different personality quirks and everything. But They are collectively the Goonies, but I still think you're right, like, that, like, their big want of, like, oh, even just, like, the whole idea of, like, their attachment to this town and why is it that they want, they don't want to be moved and and uprooted from, like, the Goondocks. It's like, oh, 
Like that is a big thing that was glossed over completely. It's true. And honestly, I feel like if I had seen them all together, uh, like against the bigger backdrop of not the town, but their situation socially, then I would have understood more why they were the Goonies, you know? Because it felt like we saw them all the time, but we never saw them in a context where like, those are just the Goonies, just ignore them, those little weirdos, you know? Yeah, no Dennis the Menace moment. Like, Yeah, but if they had done that, then it would also have made it feel less like it was their town. That's what's so weird is like, I feel like mm-hmm. everyone living there should have been the Goonies if the town mattered that much. That's why, oh, it's so weird. Yeah, I had a lot of opinions on this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it, maybe it's a movie too that is like just so, it's so, it's been like kind of just told to everybody who's like been forced to watch it as a kid that it's like a great movie and it's like oh it's the goonies it's a classic that everyone is just kind of accepted it yeah and like i think that the things that they did with the like the structure of the movie like near the end and like as it went on it just kind of earned itself more and more Mm -hmm. just as a concept and made us care about everyone more and more. And I was like, by the end, I was like, I'm sold. I get it. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm on board regardless of all my dumb stuff that I felt in the middle. And um, yeah, by the end, I thought it was like good. I, 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 it seemed like a fun adventure movie that I probably would have been a lot more into as a kid. Yeah, it's definitely as, as like as much adult humor as there is in this movie right. and sort of like more adult jokes, like, it is a kid's movie. Like, it's a yeah. fun kid's adventure movie. And, like, it's scary. Like, it's scary. I remember, like, as a kid being, like, there were some scenes where, you know, when they find Chester Copperpot, it's like. Right. That's like, oh, oh okay. That's, that That was like a, an image for me as a kid that I remember being scared by. <laughs> yeah, it had good imagery. I, I There were moments where I was like, ooh, they did a really good, good job with skeleton-y stuff right now. This is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, those are my thoughts on the Goonies. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad you got it out of the way, even if it's just for the the sake of it being like one of those movies that gets brought up like all the time by somebody. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's nice to it's nice to catch a classic, especially um, now that I've seen like since I've seen Monster Squad, and I understand what everyone says now about this one being a better version of that. And yeah, mm-hmm. like I see, I see, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, now on to today's film. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we're going to talk about another Honda movie that you've talked about, uh, The Attack of the Mushroom People's Matongo on our last episode, and this time we're talking about the 1954 classic Godzilla. Yes. Ishiro Honda's Godzilla. Nice. Black and white. 1954 it is a classic monster movie one of the first and cozy you need to see this movie yeah i think i've never seen this movie i'm pretty sure i'm like 95 percent sure that i have never seen this movie it's it's probably it's one of those movies i'm sure you've seen like footage of and scenes because it's like you know it's just a actually when we went to the academy museum i don't know if you passed that part but they had a whole like section of a wall i think it was on i don't know if it was just on godzilla or if it was ishiro honda in general but it was all about sort of like the the effects that were used in godzilla oh yeah i don't know if i i don't remember that one 
Yeah, it was interesting. Um, it was right. like yeah, it was like right next to like yeah, they just talked about all the like sort of uh, stop motion stuff and King Kong, and then and then they talked about Godzilla. Uh, yeah, that and suitmation. Interesting. That sounds maybe somewhat familiar. I do remember something like that. Okay, interesting. We did establish though, I think after the well, after the end of the museum that we're like opposites in museums. We're like, yeah. I'm like, I read everything, and like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, reading. Yeah, I'm like, no visuals only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get caught up in like all of the like the little panels that I'm like, ooh, this is something to read, and I'll just stand there forever. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> Brianna, get get moving, come on. I think it's because I was an art museum kid, and all the art museum plaques were like materials, wood and fiberglass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's all i ever read was you like mostly meaningless titles of of pieces of art and then information about the materials used to make them and names of artists that i never knew <laughs> right which is way more important i think for like yeah actual like when you're looking at big gallery pieces because it's like you want to feel the art and then like right. you don't want a bunch of information and bog it down which i guess could be the same for like anything in a museum but like I guess some so of these more. things need context. Yeah, a lot of them definitely do. I I need to. I think I need to like train myself in getting better at reading and slowing down during those. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I have to break my museum habits and like, uh, sort of put them in the right place. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Godzilla. Uh, I'm gonna be going ahead and give you the synopsis. Oh yes, please. So, after several ships mysteriously sink, Japanese authorities believe the incidents to be the result of underwater mines or underwater volcanic activity. When the destruction continues on Odo Island, a research team led by Dr. Yamana is sent out to investigate. There, they discover high levels of radiation and large footprints before seeing the monster behind the prince itself. The 164-foot-tall dinosaur-like creature the island natives call Gojira. Dr. Yamana presents his findings uh, that Gojira is a prehistoric relic of the dinosaur age that has been reawoken by continued H-bomb testing in the Pacific and is thus contaminated with radiation. Hmm. Soon the monster begins a rampage that threatens to destroy Japan, and as the military attempts to ward off this creature's attacks to no avail, a new, even deadlier weapon is the only thing that could potentially stop the creature in its tracks. But with previous research already leading professors to question the morality of hurting Gojira, a creature who only exists in this destructive state as a result of human war and weaponry, the scientist responsible for creating this weapon struggles with the decision to use it to save the world from a monster humankind has ultimately created. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That seems to be what I, about what I've generally heard, but with some good specifics in there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this movie... Yeah, came out in 1954, uh, stars a bunch of people who basically went on to act in other uh, Honda movies and are like pretty much known for, for this one. So the main characters, you have Takashi Shimura as Dr. Yamane, you have Akihiko Hirata as Dr. Serizawa, Akira Takarada as Hideto Ogata, and Momoko Kochi as Emiko Yamane. Nice. And it's written by Ishiro Honda, Takeo Murata, and Shigeru Kayama, all people who are just like basically writers of the Godzilla universe. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, directed by Ishiro Honda, uh, who we just covered with uh, Matongo. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 
And uh, yeah, he's just done a bunch of, this was like the first, the first feature that Honda really like, you know, put together. Um, and this is the first of the Godzilla universe. Mm. And a lot darker than all the other iterations of Godzilla, in my opinion, or at least like the start of like the darkness. It kind of has come back, I think, in more recent versions. But um, anyway, uh, Cozy, what, uh, how have you not watched Godzilla? That's a great question. That is a great question. Uh, first of all, in the 1950s, I was uh, not born. But secondly, <laughs> what? I was very busy with not being born, uh, which took up a lot of my time <laughs> way back yes. then. Oh, uh, God, so much work. Um, but <laughs> Trying yeah. to get born. Yeah, that's a, that's a full-time job. It really takes so many more. It takes so much more than five decades. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess three. When was I born? The 80s? There we go. Um, but yeah, uh, aside from all that, generally, um, I don't know. I, I, I think my memories of Godzilla are specifically focused around Mystery Science Theater Mm. And I don't know which Godzillas were on there, but I know I watched a lot of episodes of that show. So I know mm -hmm. I, I saw truncated versions of at least a Godzilla universe movie. And I also remember being at an adult adults party when I was very young. Um, and I believe either a Mothra or a Gamera, right, was... Um, on the mm -hmm. screen so it can't have been the original godzilla i know it was like a one of the godzilla's guest star people right and, one and of the even, other monsters in the yeah. in the universe that comes up yeah and honestly if i was parked in front of that tv it still could have been mystery science theater 3000 <laughs> <laughs> they knew what i liked <laughs> um but yeah I, I i never really had any uh interest in seeking it out and watching it um uh, uh, at home or renting it or anything because when I was a kid I always just sort of rented comedies for the most part yeah I'm trying to remember when I first saw Godzilla and I feel like honestly it must have been in I feel like it was in my middle school I took like a film class in middle school what that's awesome I love yeah. that that's yeah, it really was... great <laughs> I uh it's yeah it was one of those things where it's like I think um you know how like in middle school you take like uh it was like band orchestra or we had this thing called like the elective wheel oh. and it was basically like for kids who didn't have instruments or like didn't know like what they wanted to do and kind of just weren't ready to settle into band or orchestra and I really wanted to do band but I uh I wanted I just like didn't I, I think I like got intimidated by the idea of like of of getting an instrument and then learning it and I like backed out even though I played piano and everything I was like oh yeah. I uh I didn't do that I ended up doing the elective wheel and one of the classes like that I got to choose was like a film it was like a media class that's awesome I I in my middle school they definitely did not have a do band or do orchestra or do electives I I definitely was never like presented with an orchestra or a band situation I think oh. in, I don't know what I was doing in middle school, except like crying a lot <laughs> and like um, avoiding and not having to do gym class because of brain stuff. So I think I took it pretty chill in middle school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Middle school. I. <sighs> oh, I know. I was just having crushes on people. That's all I did on me. <laughs> all I did during middle school was feel despair over crushes. 
Yes, that is a, and they sh- that should have been a class. It should have been a class. I should have learned how to despair. not do that as a class. Oh my god, <laughs> I was majoring in despair in middle school somehow. Yes, despair one hundred and one, and then and then you advance. Yeah, <laughs> deeper into the depths, you spiral. You don't advance. <laughs> yes, you spiral, and then you end up where we are now. Yes, I love it. It's so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think I've seen this movie with like. A bunch of other sort of classic movies. I remember watching like Casablanca and then like uh, maybe it was American Graffiti. There was just like a few classic um, like films that we had watched. And I remember watching Godzilla and it was like mostly for like sort of just the the innovation at the time and like kind of studying like the the models that they built for the city in this movie. Um, And they they didn't really touch on any of like the stuff that like, to me is like what makes this movie so good, which is like, Oh yeah. The theme of like, of like nuclear destruction. Ah. Um, And maybe it's because I don't remember if I, if what the version that I had watched was the like American version, which is like, they basically took this movie and then they like added in like a white guy. Oh my God. (laughs) Why? How? (laughs) They just like, they added extra scenes where the white guy was looking up or something. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. It's like they, they took scenes and then they, they doctored him into like a lot of the scenes that exist. So he was like, he's basically like an American journalist who just like is there like in Japan narrating stuff that you can clearly like, you don't need to narrate like it's happening on screen. And he's just like, wow, "Wow, Godzilla's uh, he's rampaging the city. And then you would see him like knock down a building and it's like, Oh my gosh, but I'm a white man. And I have to say that I'm here. Yeah, don't he has forget to, like, about me. He has to claim it. He's like, and I discovered him. <laughs> yeah. None of these people would know that this is happening if it were not for me. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, oh, yeah, that sounds so pretty if, typical. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's why the nuclear stuff wasn't brought up, because that movie did cut out a lot of that, um, that Whoa, subject matter. That's which, amazing. Yeah, which is, like, in, very interesting because it's, like, I mean, it came out not that long after World War II ended. Yeah. So it kind of like to me was like an interesting thing to like see how like, you know, the U- America did this really like destructive thing. And then like in this iteration of the movie, they were like, no, 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 no. Yeah, like no, we're not we going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, just under the giant carpet. <laughs> yes. Which makes it such a different movie too. Like it's like, it's a monster movie, but it's not. It's like not really that. It is, but not the way that the American version did it. Yeah, it's it's more like in co- in the context of how it was released, it has become a different kind of monster movie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my five reasons. I'll get into my to my first one. Nice. Uh, the first one is, I guess, the moral dilemma of this movie, which is kind of like you know the big subject of like whether this deadly weapon should be used to eliminate the immediate threat. Mm-hmm. Um, if in the future, this deadly weapon could cause even more death and more destruction, like wow. later down the line. Mm-hmm. So obviously this whole thing is like a big metaphor for the atomic destruction that happened mm-hmm. um, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki in the form of a giant dinosaur. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think that, like, yeah, I just really love, like, the the, the dilemma that they, like, int- introduce in this movie of just, like, 
yeah, sure, there's a giant, like, monster, like, kind of destroying our city. And just, like, the war was, like, a giant destructive monster that, like, killed, you know, millions of people. Mm -hmm. uh, was the atomic bomb, like, the answer, you know? Like, even though in at the end of the war, it's like, okay, you have... Uh, you have the Germans, the Germans have stopped, but then Japan keeps going and the war keeps going. And then they're given warning to like to stop and then they continue. And then, you know, we have the bombings, which really like were unprecedented before and like an unseen level of like just pure destruction. Mm. So it's just became like a subject in this movie that I think is like, it's just interesting because of like when it came out and like, it's just such a, uh, it's just something that like, I just find really interesting that like this big sort of franchise that has come out of this question of like, <laughs> of, of like, you know, when does science go too far? And like, should we, should we act on like on creating things that like might solve our problems now, but like could create, more problems later on and i feel like it's so relevant now do you feel like the uh the later installments in it kind of lost the uh the original sort of um sort of uh political uh you know analogy aspects of it in favor of just kind of becoming more like big monster action movies or did they kind of maintain that and hold on to it um, I, I haven't seen all of them, but I know that there's like, basically as it goes on in later into the franchise, like it does lose a lot of that. Like it doesn't mm. really like the whole idea of like Godzilla being like dealing with like the effects of radiation gets kind of lost. Oh yeah. See, that doesn't surprise me. That's, I feel like I just sort of see that in general in, in sort of entertainment and in movies where people just kind of retain the big flashy aspects of things and kind of lose or forget about the actual heart of them mm -hmm. yeah that's fascinating okay yeah that's actually kind of like my second reason is that Ooh. like um you know it's like the theme of this being like is godzilla the monster or are we the real monster right which is like something that you don't really see in a lot of the the later godzilla films in fact it almost becomes like it's interesting how godzilla like goes from being like in this movie, like I don't even think Godzilla is really like a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Like he's not like a, a bad monster. And in later iterations of Godzilla, he becomes like the good guy. Um, <laughs> or like we're on Godzilla's side. Aw. Yeah. Fun. It is but fun. Also and it's very different. Yeah. Very different. And I saw something that, that was really interesting to me. Like uh, I think it was like a comment on, on something I watched online and it was like, somebody basically like made the analogy that like, Oh, it's like our relationship with nuclear power. Like at sure. the time that this came out, you know, like everyone was afraid of the, the possible destruction that atomic bombs could create and like lived through it. You know, like these people were like dealing with like this collective trauma. Mm. And then in later iterations, you know, like Japan eventually like, you know, started using nuclear power plants to like provide energy so it's almost like the relationship to nuclear energy changed. And somebody made that comment about like, oh, maybe it's like, you know, Godzilla changing and becoming more of an ally mm -hmm. is like sort of our changing relationship with like this, this nuclear energy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my second reason being that like, I think this film is like, 
especially is very special because it's it just like has that dark like theme of like just like are we it's like not about godzilla being the monster godzilla in this film is just a symbol like he's there to represent the consequences of like the creation of the of the bomb which tends to be the case with a lot of horror movies in general, right? You know, there are a lot of, it, it all seems like all the various monsters and horror figures are usually just symbols. They're all symbols of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that is a good point. And like a lot of the times, I think that's what makes, you know, horror movies so scary. Like when they're done effectively is it's like you have something that is like rooted in, in some deep, truth because it's a it symbolizes something for us that like scares humans on a on a deeper level yeah uh, and i hate i hate that it reminds me of this but also kind of love it it reminds me when i put together a ska halloween comedy show (laughs) (laughs) because all of the like different waves of ska had different monsters associated with them like there was a um like the 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 um the popularity of of zombie uh, of zombies being brought up in like fourth wave ska and where they were like ska is dead but it's risen from the grave and like, and um and like in early 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 ska it was all like ghosts which was like duppies because it came from reggae and all this stuff it was weird how deeply i had it figured out oh my gosh yeah i didn't even i, I know the ghost thing that's funny yeah, it's like have, having like the different monsters kind of like represent different phases of ska music it was very odd because i did so much like and i use this word lightly research into just finding so much ska that i only i found so much ska that had to do with monsters and then Mm -hmm. i was like oh there's a pattern forming here (laughs) (laughs) we love a good monster association and connection and yeah i think this movie is special because it's like one of the first um oh, absolutely and yeah and i guess like that's just like kind of the whole thing of like with horror monsters or like horror movies in general is like the fear of the unknown and yeah. god oh, godzilla course. and like also the unknown being like you know the effects of radiation like you know we we made this this bomb that we knew was gonna like kill a bunch of people like almost instantly but not knowing like or maybe, you know, knowing, but like not really caring about the consequences at the moment because we're such a like when it when in times of war, like humans don't think about the future at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess on some level you could talk about Godzilla versus the uh, versus the buildings that he crushes while existing um, and all the <laughs> collateral damage of Godzilla that no one expected or thought about. Yes, I know. I want to see that. I want to see a movie of like the cleanup crew after like superheroes destroy the city. Yeah, just a rebuilding movie. A rebuilding. Yeah, (laughs) just like a show about like the people who are like sent out to like, oh, okay, like, like Superman gets all the credit here. But like, we're here (laughs) rebuilding the city and billions of taxpayer dollars are going to fixing this honestly i would love it if every movie that was kind of big action movie like kept going after the end and just like followed the bureaucracy of rebuilding everything that had been broken during it 
Yes, I would love that too. Like going into like the the headquarters of these of like the department that deals with the aftermath. Yeah, and the main character becomes a like this long suffering person who is just trying to figure out how to recoup the damages as they just like will inevitably happen again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. all the teams were injured as a result of the aliens that ended up on Earth, but if there are any left who can are really good with brick and mortar, we need to rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> The supply chain is fucked because of the aliens and the heroes who killed them. <laughs> now, we know you all are exhausted from all of the work you've done to protect the Earth, yeah. but we, ha we have established a, a mandatory volunteer, <laughs> mandatory volunteer hours. Yes. It's not oh really volunteering, God. but you have to, you have to serve every uh, once a month and, and help uh, like rebuild some infrastructure. And then or they else... just fly away instead. <laughs> yeah. They're like on some island as as everyone who they saved is just suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, I'm so exhausted from all that punching and, and flying <laughs> around that uh, I, I'll be on vacation. But you, you all let me know how it goes. Uh, call me yeah. if you need anything. Oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think, um, I guess... Going back to where I was, mm -hmm. Godzilla is in this movie just like reacting to the changes in his environment, just like any like animal on the planet would. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that's what's interesting about this being a monster movie is that like it's like a monster movie, but it's really not. It's like it's just like a giant dinosaur that happens to be living like amongst humans who like woke it up with like radiation and now it's angry and mad and like understandably so. Yeah, I mean that that's a nice thing. You have a you have a sympathetic villain it sounds like. Yes, very sympathetic. Oh, um, I like that. And I love that like you know it's like humans are always trying to control nature and prove it and greed and power usually fuck it up and like Godzilla's out here like, yeah, like I would have been fine in the depths of the ocean forever. <laughs> Until all the plastic bottles just collected and he had to go do something about it. Right. That's going to be the next, uh, yeah, the next Godzilla movie. Oh, that would be good. He just comes up and he yells recycle. Yeah. He's got like a giant like uh, soda can ring around his neck and he's like, oh, no, ah! Godzilla. I'm so worried. <laughs> <laughs> no they have to just the biggest weapon to cut the rings <laughs> yeah <laughs> will it cause more damage than it's worth no we're saving godzilla <laughs> we're saving godzilla it's he's worth anything yeah um so my third reason is just yeah this movie's dark as hell um, <laughs> Ooh. it's very dark uh I guess starting with the root of it being like what I've already mentioned, it being like kind of an idea that came to be out of like what happened in uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki and not only like just the immediate death, but like the like slow deaths afterward and like all the, you know, radiation burns and people have uh, dying of radiation sickness, like weeks or months later, like a lot of the, that imagery is like in this movie. Wow. Really? Oh yeah. So, um, it's like a very, yeah, it's a very, like, there's a lot of images of, of like people versus the monster, which is like, which I think is very different than like a lot of like, you know, you go to King, old King Kong and it's like 
very focused on the spectacle of like the monster yeah um, it's just like the monster and very tiny dots surrounding the monster <laughs> yeah yeah and there's definitely a lot of that like you got a lot of people like running away and being like ah godzilla but sure. but the cutaways to like just like the people um is it makes it makes this movie just like hit a different note than mm. i think like other monster movies oh cool okay especially for its time and i think like I try to put myself like in the, I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, if I had grown up witnessing like on the news, the war or somehow even being like around it or being in, in Japan when this happened, like I can't even imagine how, how something like this would resonate. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so there's like one image specifically of like a mom, like comforting her children and like it's like silent there's like no music underneath and Whoa. she's basically like hugging them and being like just she says uh like it's okay it's okay like we'll be able to join your father soon in heaven Whoa, and it's amazing. so dark yeah and then there's another <laughs> there's another shot of a little girl uh like basically grieving like they they show like this mom uh who is like died and like she's just like this little girl who is just crying and <sighs> And they like hold onto this onto this little girl for a long time, and then somebody like picks her up, and she's just like crying in this person's arms. Oh my gosh! Amazing. So it's really dark, and um, they cut that stuff out of the <laughs> of the American yeah. version. They're like, no, look over here, look at the <laughs> white guy. <laughs> no one's in yep. pain. There's just a evil that we have to get. <laughs> Exactly. Actually, yeah, the scene with the little girl crying over the mom, they like cut it out completely and they like cut in the scene of the white journalist like he gets hurt and it's like him and (laughs) him and like, I guess, like a love interest or something. And she's like comforting him. (laughs) That's so typical. (laughs) I know. It's like, ooh. Yeah, that's so hilarious. Yeah, it tracks so well. (laughs) It tracks really well. And it's very it's like funny now. Like, yeah, amazing. (laughs) But I just like like the idea that back then it's like, oh, they needed to come out with like a version that was going to, quote unquote, appeal to American audiences. Oh, my God. I Did they change the ending to make it happier and more fun, too? I bet <laughs> they did. You know, they, the ending is pretty much the same. But like the okay. wording, which is like really important, like the last uh, like the last few words, which kind of like touches back on the theme of the whole thing, like are completely changed. Whoa, fascinating. OK. Yeah uh and then yeah just like so some weird added in scenes where like we that we just like focus on this journalist who's like i'm here <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so Pay funny to me <laughs> i matter <laughs> <laughs> sure there's a giant monster wreaking havoc on your city but let's not forget that i styled my hair today <laughs> and it looks really good and let's, let's make sure this camera's on me so photogenic <laughs> uh yeah so lots of like children lots of like image imagery of like children like grieving over like the loss of like you know their parents or just like children being comforted overflowing hospitals like they really like touch on like they do these like specific shots of just the people and like it makes it more of like a people focused kind of like monster movie well that's good i mean that's that's something i'm sure that is not a surprise at this point, but yeah, I mean, that's all I care about. So that sounds great. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like an action movie sounds boring, but a movie that that really focuses on people and and the effects of that action becomes an indie movie. And now I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my fourth reason, I was gonna say my fourth movie, but that's uh-huh. not right. Uh, my fourth reason is uh, the effects, which now are a little cheesy, uh, but at the time, and I like. You, I mean, even now they're impressive for for what they did, like which, you know, they built these giant model cities. And I think originally they were going to do this as like stop motion, uh, but it would have been like way too time consuming. Oh, wow. The the movie would have like taken possibly another like decade to come out, which I think like probably the I'm guessing the the release of this movie, like, you know, less than a decade after World War Two was probably pretty important to Ishiro Honda. Yeah, I'm sure. No question. Yeah, so they forego the like the stop motion thing and they just did like they were the first movie I believe to do suit uh motion which is just like basically the guy is in a giant Godzilla suit that's like 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And oh my God. yeah so got real hot in there and he just like rampaged around these model cities and got to like crush little buildings with his feet that's fun that sounds like um that one terrible tv show uh the one good episode of frankenhole do you remember that show oh yeah there was an episode where i think ken jong played every single character on the show including a weird godzilla monster that crushed everything Mm -hmm. um yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's. I feel like when you watch a bad show, you you're kind of earning some kind of good episode, and that one really delivered for me. So I'm always happy to bring that to people's attention as an insane thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and it's definitely one of those things that, like, you know, I watch now, and it's like it's very obviously like a guy in a suit crushing tiny buildings, <laughs> but it almost that makes it like fun for for me too. Like it's it's enjoyable to watch because it's like. There's still so much, like, I appreciate so much, like, the work and the detail that goes into, like, making a giant replicated city. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm sure. And, like, even just, like, the level of detail on the suit um, and just the fact that this person, like, committed to being in a really heavy suit with, like, real fire, like, when the city's, like, burning up. Jeez. So, like, this this guy, Haruo Nakajima like said it would get like up to 140 degrees oh this wasn't our first godzilla (laughs) we went through like seven godzillas making this movie (laughs) so sad yeah he's got a whole closet full of godzilla costumes (laughs) just for the next one they like the guy finds it and he's like what are these (laughs) oh no terrible Yes, I wish I had a closet full of Godzilla costumes. Yes, uh, same. We all deserve it. <laughs> it's Tuesday. What am I going to wear today? Oh, Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think like it's just like the. Just making a monster movie at this time and like not having the uh, 3D animation or the graphics to really like do what we can do now. It's like really impressive because it was innovative. And obviously like now we do a lot of cool stuff with models still to this day. um, And that was sort of like one of the pioneers of it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, my last reason is, is just the directing. Um, And it kind of goes back into like, I guess 
the big thing for me is like when you compare like the American version to the original, mm-hmm. like you you really do lose a lot of what makes the this original Godzilla like the Japanese version uh so so unique even like compared to the other Godzilla movies and yeah I think it's just like it's it's really dark and it was like directed in that way and like just kind of keeping those focus on those like really like more intimate moments between like just like civilians um kind of really like brought home that theme of just like of like there are consequences to war and like to destruction and like yeah sure we go to and like it, it feels just very like relevant now which I'm sure you know like any movie like you can tie to current yeah. events but but definitely I, mean, I was thinking about that earlier yeah like I mean I think about the you know the war in Ukraine is like on a lot of people's minds now and it's just one of those things where like we have you know Vladimir Putin just just doing something that like at the end of the day it's like it's so stupid and petty like mm-hmm. for land like True. like come on we're and and now we're like at a point where it's like we're we're we all have like nuclear weapons and we're all at a point where if we if we take things too far like we all can't really like make a big move because it's like mutually assured destruction which is like a scary thing it's so terrifying but the one thing that helps me out is knowing that i have literally zero control over it yeah sometimes that's i was gonna say that's like helpful and then other times i'm like ah i have no control over this (laughs) yeah (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. I think I ended up feeling that way about a lot of things where I'm just like, well, a meteor could hit me. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Can't can't stop a meteor. So why worry about a meteor? But it's like that process where it's like first it feels terrible and then you just get kind of tired of feeling terrible and you're like, well, you know what? There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. There is a peace in knowing that like it's worse to being to having like the power to do something and not doing it than to not have any power and not do something yeah oh it's so true i mean oh fear is fascinating to me (laughs) it is very fascinating and then it kind of makes me think of like you know uh you would watch don't look up also yeah but like in that movie they try to do something with the platform that they do have and still you know like that's really frustrating so frustrating and then that's also like another thing that i think is pretty like relevant in not so much this movie but like just how i think so many people feel today where it's like even if i do have the power to do something like it's almost it feels too far gone for so many yeah it takes so much sort of groundswell uh, and like critical mass to make things happen and all that and i'm always like there are people who know how to make this happen who are doing it and i'm just gonna hope that they do it yes um so yeah i guess that's kind of like a, a bonus reason is really that like it's like a movie like this that came out of this sort of like really dark period of time that, you know, kind of like sprung forward this entire like franchise of like Toho monster movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not only that, it's like, you know, now we're dealing with like these sort of like big events in our lifetime, like the pandemic, the insurrection. And it's like, it's just like kind of excites me to know like what kind of um, art will come out of it 
Art will come out of it. Yeah. Like, yay, collective trauma excites me. <laughs> That's a survival mechanism. <laughs> we got there. Art as <laughs> mechanism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I even think about that during the pandemic. Like, I feel like a lot of people maybe first couple weeks think, like, thought, okay, we're all trapped inside. People were are just going to shut down and, like, give up on everything but it wasn't that like there was so many people making stuff and and just like kind of like touch getting in touch with their creativity again and i think that's awesome yeah, art, that's art will never die no matter what happens yeah it i find it so funny when people are like oh comedy's dead art is dead this serious thing happened and i'm like no that's not how that <laughs> what did you think art was <laughs> yeah I don't understand. It's it's such an emotional and immediate reaction that's not based in anything. So I always mm-hmm. laugh that off pretty quickly. I'm like, no, comedy is always going to be a thing. Nothing is so so big that it can't be made fun of. Right. And there's always <laughs> like as as life evolves, so will comedy. So like it's just kind of being able to like to latch onto those things and knowing how to like find the humor in it. Yeah, it's just everyone's, it's just people are very binary thought process people. And we've all been trained that uh, in that as a result of America editing Godzilla movies into just being about um, not the human suffering, but about a big monster. Yeah. Let's kill it. Let's kill it. And yeah, the people who say comedy's dead, the people who say punk is dead. (laughs) Neither of those things are dead. No, they never been dead. It's just if they're not in the world, like in the worldview at that moment, people are like, well, then they'll never be again. (laughs) (laughs) Is disco dead, though? Disco will always come back in some form or another. I feel like disco has enough roots in modern pop that there are ways that it is back. I feel like if I were at clubs more, maybe I would have a better concept of it. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I definitely, I know there's a, a like, Jungle is is kind of like a newer kind of, uh, gives me sure. a little bit of disco vibe somewhat, but also more like Earth, Wind, and Fire kind of sound. But oh, right. Yeah, everything I feel like does that's kind big of, right now. Yeah, yeah. I think disco does exist, though, on like like you said, in pop music. Yeah, or and at I least a, elements of it. Yeah, and I'm sure there, in the same way that pop music has put so much '80s into what's going on right now, I'm sure that at some point it'll also put some '70s in and like swing more around to that. Yeah, and like we see it in fashion, we see everything. We all kind of like things come back, and then they like it's like an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Like certain things in comedy will like be trending, and then. Then people, a lot, also a lot of the people who like to say comedy is dead are the ones who like, who just are like stuck on making racist jokes and stuff. Yeah, seriously. Oh, those people who are like free speech is dead. And it's like, no, uh, no accountability. It was always dead. And now it's alive running. It's rising from the water and you're afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how people in power or in the dominant majority or whatever like to be anyway. They're like, oh, this was never a problem. It's like, no, it was just under the water. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. All the metaphors. So easy. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Good job with that. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cozy, are you convinced to watch Godzilla? You know what? I think I am. I, I think you sold me on it um, based on the based on the darkness because i really didn't think of godzilla as a dark movie before this and i was really just like yeah it's a monster movie you know big monster 
attack, attack. Eventually, I'm sure the monster doesn't. Well, who knows if the monster wins? But no way, it would never happen. So it's just like, you know, America wins or Japan wins or whatever, and everything's fine. And you know, um, I think having a better perspective of the real focus that it gives to the actual human beings involved uh, is is much more interesting and compelling to me than Yay. a tank versus a big thing. So yeah, that sounds great. I'm down to check out Godzilla, especially. <laughs> Especially because you mentioned a moment where there isn't music. I am so tired of movies that have like annoying music that's cloying and awful and don't, you know, they deserve to have silence in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's a, definitely a lot of, of scoring of this movie and like the theme and everything, but there's also a lot of silent mo- uh, moments and then moments where you just hear like Godzilla's like, you know, pause or oh that's pause. great his feet just hit the ground and i also read which is very interesting to me that like it might have been the intention of uh of ashiro honda to actually make the sound of his feet like the sound of an atomic bomb whoa i love it because you hear it a lot of the times you're hearing these sounds but godzilla like isn't actually in in view or like he, there's no shots of him so oh, it's like you're just like getting the sound in your head. That's like the sound that is like traumatized. That's amazing. Oh, so I like it. Yeah that's, yeah. that's good work right there. That's good metaphor. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's uh, and it's, it's dark. It's definitely dark. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. Well, awesome. I, I love dark shit. <laughs> Same. It's the best. Can't be, <laughs> should not be beat. Let us stare into the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> no lights. No, so we don't want Cozy to be glow in the dark. That is correct. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, although I'm sure I can make some kind of connection between what we were talking about at the beginning, where there's a band called The Nuclear Saturday, and we are talking about Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so my cough is the radio. I have a radioactive cough. That's what's oh, going on. Oh no! Uh, well, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully there's no monster that results from it. Hopefully not. And hopefully uh, if, if there is a, mo- if I turn into a monster or I create a monster, hopefully it will also teach humanity a bigger lesson. And Ooh. then I'll be like satisfied. Yeah. That's in the end. That's kind of what matters most. As long as we can learn from it. <laughs> right. But do humans ever learn? Oh, that is a tough question. Oh, that's a big question. It's a big question. Anyway, uh, <laughs> on to recommendations. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'm so tempted to do so many different types of recommendations as a result of this episode. Um, obviously, I'm not going to recommend The Nuclear Saturday, but look them up if you want to. Uh, they're a lot of fun. I'm also not going to recommend uh, King of the Monsters, an arcade game I grew up playing that involved a lot of city destruction or Rampage, which we mentioned last episode. Mm. So... Not going to recommend those. You won't find them in the description. But what you will hear is me talking about what I was talking about at the very beginning of the show, which is that I've been able to see a lot of good movies lately. (laughs) Yes. And I have two I want to recommend, and I'm going to save one for next time. This time, I am recommending, speaking of dark things, I am recommending the movie Duel. (laughs) Okay, cool. Officially. Oh, my goodness. For folks out there uh, who saw uh, The Art of Self-Defense and want something in that same tone and a little bit of, you know, that that Lanthimos feeling, uh, definitely check out Duel because it's a very good, dark, dry uh, comedy. 
How about yourself? <laughs> Me, um, I'm going to recommend uh, a book that I feel like I, I talk about it a lot when I when I'm like in conversations with like when people ask what I'm reading, I'm like, I've been reading the same book for like two years because it's so <laughs> dense and there's so much to it. And I've been taking like little breaks from it. But That's awesome. um, it's it's called Cadillac Desert um, by Mark Reisner. And it's like it's kind of a little bit outdated. It's it, I think it um, it came out in like the in the early 90s. But it's basically mm-hmm. about like it kind of just reminded me of like when I watched Godzilla, like sort of just of like, yeah, humans taking things too far and kind of like playing God and like oh. and not really thinking about the future. But it's about the water crisis like in the Southwest. Okay. And it's it's like a big deep history on like the uh, the construction of like dams in specifically in, in America, but just how like we've had like two giant departments that were created to like create these dams to bring water that like is not meant to be <laughs> around into states that, you know, um, it, it's it's the thing that was supposed to help people who were already living there to get water but instead the creation of dams has only like benefit like a lot of it has benefited solely like big farmers and big corporation farmers who have like increased the demand for water so instead of the water going to the urban areas that where people need it it's like a lot of the water that we're paying for is actually going to subsidize water from big farms oh no yeah and so it's just a really interesting sort of like reminder of like yeah, like, you know, we created, da- like, we, we took things too far and we're trying to control rivers and control water. And instead of solving problems, it has created more problems later down the line and has, like, kind of fueled this big capitalist monster. And, like, basically it goes into the whole politics and the corruption of, like, of, uh, of, of just, like, s- senators being, like, bought out by their constituents who are these just, like, huge campaign donor farmers that are, mm. like, oil companies and like the and things like that so do it's, americans it's a, ever learn <laughs> do america yeah specifically do americans ever learn that's question. amazing yeah i mean as two very southwest people we definitely grew up with those water crises yes i remember beat the peak i think is what the thing was in tucson oh some kind of fun slogan for water safe not water safety water um the word is that starts with conservation thank you the very same yeah yeah let's have kids learn how to do that by beating the peak whatever it could mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean we'll see how i feel like we're like the good thing about science and and technology is like we always seem to like come up with something like that gets us out of the situation we've put ourselves in (laughs) Yeah, I mean that I'm not surprised ever. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing too is like yeah, there's as much as as destruction and dumb things like humans have done over the course of history, mm. we we tend to get ourselves out of situations. <laughs> yeah, there's always a way. Money money gets us into problems and uh something always gets us out, but I don't know what the something is. Um yeah. it's not it, it might also be money, but I hope not. <laughs> Yeah. yeah unless it's from like tough call <laughs> a really good person which is also like we've re- we don't have a lot of those really rich people who are also really good people yeah that's a there has to be a very um my, my thought is that the awful rich people who breed 
will hopefully look as awful to their kids that the generational wealth they inherit will be spent on better things. Mm, That's yes. pretty good, right? Does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Question is, Don't does know. that happen? Or are they just <laughs> screwed up by their parents enough that instead of hating their parents, they also hate everybody and are just screwed up in general? Yeah, I always wonder that because I think I like to think of myself. I'm like, if I ever got like filthy rich, like I'm like, no, I would never be like a bad person. I would probably give away most of my money. But I'm like, does that just does something just happen to you where you just turn <laughs> evil when you like reach like a certain million mark or something? Yeah, I imagine that there's a mix of things in there, like social status and like um, the people in your life and all that where you're like, well, if I if I have a kid, I really want what's best for them. And so I'm going to put them in the best school because I really am worried from my parental instincts. And so uh, that's going to be a situation where all the money is going to, where I need to have that money. And then the kid has to do really well with the other rich kids. And so you have to have more status as a family. And then it just kind yep. of replicates in a gross way. It becomes a social yeah. strata thing. And that doesn't get better as they get older. <laughs> Right. And then they just learn to hoard money themselves because that's how they like recognized that their parents established their status. Like, oh, my parents yeah. are are accepted because of how much money they have kept. Yeah. And that's probably how their parents showed them love anyway. So they're probably also feeling like that's. <sighs> yeah, it's so complicated. Truly fascinating replicating cycles in a status based society. Oh, Ooh. all right. Uh, yeah. But that's not our problems to solve. Yeah, that's why it's really awesome that we're not rich and don't have to be monsters in that particular way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like not having to associate with people who have that problem. <laughs> Me too. Um, and that sounds like an iteration of the next Godzilla movie. Uh, the Godzilla being late stage capitalism. Yes. And the billionaire class. It's always a metaphor for something. That's the good yeah. stuff. Huh. All right. Well, uh, if any of you listening have seen Godzilla, the original, uh, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what you think. Uh, tell us what it, what Godzilla movie you want to see. <laughs> what is the big metaphor that you want to see Godzilla touch on? <laughs> tell us about the metaphors you want. That is one of the metaphors. <laughs> oh my god, I want that more than any. That's that's me. I'm in. I'm in. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk. Yeah, let's make our own Godzilla. Let's start a thread where we each pitch our own Godzilla movie and we like make it about whatever metaphor we want. Oh my God. I'm so sold. <laughs> I'll start the thread. This is me uh, putting it into action. And I, as soon as I'm done with this, I'll, I'll start a thread. Or oh. when, it, when the podcast comes out, I'll put out, I'll start a thread. I love it. I'm very excited to add to said thread. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, tell us uh, what movies you want us to talk about. Uh, join the Facebook group and I'll start this thread and we'll talk about Godzilla. Hell yeah. Uh, so plugs. I, Cozy? Yeah, I've got a plug. I've got some exciting plug happening, especially because I looked at the calendar and I know when this is coming out and it's coming out in a in a day. It's it, so if you listen to this today, when this comes out, then you will be able to go to my comedy show um because Crash's party uh has moved to Mondays. It's every uh first and third Monday. It's my variety comedy show. That's been long running, almost a decade, maybe more at this point. Uh, we moved to every first and third Monday, 7 to 8.30 p.m. Main stage at the clubhouse in Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. 
zip code. Um, <laughs> uh, and we're probably going to be doing a housewarming party, which is perfect, right? So crash this housewarming party on Monday, May 2nd. Woo! Woo! I love that. Yeah. Uh, crashing a housewarming party. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> that is good. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the themes end up being pretty fun. Um, which means that I'm no longer hosting the Cyber Jam. So uh, ideally that will be continuing. So feel free to go do that too. <laughs> yeah. I want. It just makes me, I'm like, I want to crash weird parties like that. I want to crash a housewarming party and like a baby shower. Yes. Oh my God. Absolutely. Got to crash a baby shower. Uh, yeah. Got to crash. There's so many crashable events. Retirement parties should be crashed. Yeah. Um, many, many things. Crashing just someone's game night is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, crashing a very small, intimate party. Yeah. <laughs> crashing a date. Yeah, a crashing someone's date night. <laughs> yes. That's cute. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm always on board for all of this. Yeah, crashing someone's trivia night, and you're just like that person who keeps like, who's like volunteered yourself on someone's trivia team, and they're like, we don't need we don't you. Know you. <laughs> We don't know you. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, plugs for me. I don't have anything specifically. Unfortunately, a show I was going to do uh, in May, I I had to push a lot of things back because I got COVID. So that sucks. Oh, um, bummer, bummer, bummer. Bummer. Um, I feel like my next show is going to be the Fever Show, which is on sunday may 8th at 9 p.m nice um got a lot of fun sketches there's a lot of really funny ones that i know we're gonna be voting in and it's gonna be a good time so come come check it out oh nice yeah and if you stick around after that you will see me in another show <laughs> yes yes stay at the pack uh, 10 p.m a different show <laughs> 10 p.m uh, nine and ten right after each other nailing it yeah that's a night for you guys <laughs> enjoy your night have a date night someone will crash it <laughs> yes we will crash your date yeah we'll, um, be, we'll do it we'll make it happen <laughs> yes you're welcome uh we'll each crash one side of the date like so it'll just be sort of like a weird like supervised supervised date kind uh, of thing that sounds but we can chaperone yes we can crash around crash around there we go oh, crash around no. that's how you know i've been uh, talking too much <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh thanks for listening again uh give us a review uh subscribe uh five stars would be awesome uh we will read your reviews on, on the air if you leave one so thanks for listening to you need to see this godzilla <laughs> godzilla <laughs> <laughs>